But there are other limitations of God's omnipotence revealed in the Bible, and so we ask, what do we know about man's ability to limit the omnipotence of God in the moral realm from Bible statements? Our Lord Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Our Lord affirmed what should be obvious to all, that the will of God was not being done on earth. A state of affairs had arisen in the loving and righteous domain of God that called forth the deep pathos of his holy heart, which he sought to impart to his beloved disciples. The tragedy of sin had occurred in God's beautiful world, and rebellion had been perpetuated. This had made necessary the advent into the world of a Savior to suffer for sin. As he mingled with sinners in their coarseness and hypocrisy, the yearning heart of the Savior arose, that the will of God might once more be restored to earth, as it was now existing in heaven. To this end he labored, and to this end he died. Let us consider the plain statements of this tragic situation from the Bible. In the first place, God has experienced untold disappointment and immeasurable grief over the entrance of sin into the world and its increased perpetuation among men. What a tragic statement we read in the third chapter of Genesis, verses 8 to 11. After the fall of man, God came seeking fellowship as he had done previously, but was deprived of this fellowship because man had departed and was filled with fear. And so God called unto Adam, Where art thou? What a pathetic statement. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, and so forth. And then in the eleventh verse, the last part, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Here was a great initial disappointment of God over the entrance of sin into this world, the beautiful world and the beautiful creation that God had instituted. But as things developed, we read in the sixth chapter of Genesis, the great grief of God, verses 5 to 7, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So God grieved over the development of man's sin to the point that he repented of having created man, or regretted this great disappointing venture. How terrible to think of the grief as it filled the great heart of God. But in the twelfth and thirteenth verse, we read that sin had developed to such a terrible degree that God had to deny his loving heart and bring upon the flood to destroy the impenitent. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, 
for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God sent forth Noah to preach for 120 years, and a back of his witness by the great ark he was building. But we have no record that anyone repented, and so only eight souls were spared through the flood. But consider the great grief and disappointment and limitation of God's omnipotence. In 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verses 6 to 9, we read about the insistence of the children of Israel to have a king. They wanted an earthly king like the surrounding nations and declined God's direct leadership any longer through his prophets and servants. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods. So do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice. Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Think of the tragic expression, They have not rejected thee, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And although God had done all these wonderful works and manifested his kindness, even so, God was rejected. Think of the great grief as God's omnipotence was limited. And in verse 19, we read, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his own city. Samuel was moved for God's feelings in the matter, and had much precious fellowship in his concern for God's happiness. In the tenth chapter, in verse 19, we read, And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversaries and your tribulations, and ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So the great grief and disappointment of God in this event. In Isaiah chapter 5, verses 3 to 7, God sets forth through the prophet Isaiah a parable of a vineyard with every loving care bestowed, but with aggravated disappointment at the time of expected fruit-bearing. The vineyard is said to be Israel, with God's grief turned to judgment. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, the men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more into my vineyard than I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. 
And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned nor digged, and there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. The question asked by the great God in verse 4, What could have been done more to my vineyard than I have not done in it? Is indeed tragic beyond all words, as it sets forth man's ability to disappoint God and to bring grief to him instead of joy. In the 65th chapter of Isaiah, verses 2 and 3, we read about God's tender appeals issuing from his great being that have been rejected by defiant man, necessitating actions that are unlike God. I have spread out my hand all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoked me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in the gardens and burneth incense upon the altars of brick. Think of these tragic words coming forth from the heart of God, as God has stretched forth his hands, beseeching man to walk with him in happy fellowship. Man has rejected the invitation of God. And so tiny and insignificant man can refuse the loving fellowship of God to his own eternal loss. As we read in verse 12, Therefore will I number you to the sword, and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighteth not. What a penetrating thought for all to ponder in our day. In Ezekiel chapter 6, and verses 8 to 9, we read a most astonishing statement that God says, I am broken with their whorish or unfaithful heart, which hath departed from me. Yet will I have a remnant, that ye may have some that shall escape the sword among the nations, when he shall be scattered throughout the countries. And they that did escape of you shall remember me among the nations, whether they shall be carried captives because I am broken with their whorish heart, which had departed from me, and with their eyes which go a-whoring after idols. And they shall loathe themselves for the evil which they have committed in all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord, and that I have not said in vain what I would do this evil unto them. What a terrifying expression of grief this is the Godhead having set their hearts upon their creature man with such intensity of love that such agony could result. In the 11th chapter of Hosea, verses 7 to 9, we read, And my people are bent to backsliding from me, though they call them to the Most High, none at all 
would exalt him. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboam? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. So think of the expression, Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. Again we have these inner movings of grief set forth. How remarkable to think and how tragic to ponder that man has this ability by creative position to hurt the heart of the great loving God. May all who hear ponder their ways. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is one who invites all to scrutinize his character and his works. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank thee for these revelations of thy heart, that thou art great and powerful, but also that thou art tender and loving, and that it hurts thy very being to send judgment, that thou wouldst prefer to manifest thy love and thy kindness and thy tenderness and thus has sent the Savior into the world. May many repent of sin, thus avoiding necessary judgment, partaking of thy love and thy mercy and the free forgiveness of sin and the salvation forevermore. In Jesus' name, our Savior, amen.